this morning. We're going to pray for them as they go. And uh, as y'all get settled in your seats, uh, y'all can open up your Bible to Psalm 102. Uh, we'll be there. And um, after our children get gone, we'll have a word of prayer as well. All right. Is, is his breath in your lungs this morning? Amen. Would we have breath in our lungs were it not for him? No way. Let's bow before our Lord. Father God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Um, we thank you for your amazing grace. Uh, we thank you for your greatness, which is to love us, period, full stop. Lord, we thank you that in your love you've brought us together. Right before we sang that song, the greatness of our God, I just saw our church fellowshipping and we could hardly get them to shut up so that they could sing again, Lord, and it was awesome because uh, you've brought us together, and we thank you for that. You're great to bring us together, to band us together. Uh, Lord, here's what we know is that we get banded together, and sometimes we get banded together, and we forget those who are not banded with us. We confess that that's a shortcoming that we have. That's a, that's a blind spot that we have. That's a myopic view that we have, Lord. And so, God, I pray and I ask that even as we're ba banded and binded together, Lord, that we would always have eyes to see those who are on the edges that we can bring in, Lord. We'd have eyes to see those who, who might look like they have everything together in our culture, but are falling apart. And we would see and be able to have empathy and compassion and love towards them. Uh, Lord, those who, who we, we, we can look at and we know that they are lost, might we not look down on them and think, oh, well, they should have just gotten their act together, Lord. But what we have the, the resilience and the love and the grace to come walk alongside them, Lord. Might we be great like you are great. Father, uh, this morning we thank you and we praise your name. We ask that as we go to your word that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would, uh, you would lighten our, our eyes, Lord, uh, illuminate truth to us, reveal evermore your character, your goodness, uh, Lord, Shed more of your spirit on us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit so that when we go out of this place, we can not only say we had a great experience in church this week, but when we go out of this place, we can live as Miss Angie prayed for us, that we would live with the fruit of the spirit being produced by our lives, Lord. I pray. I pray and I ask that you'd be with me as I proclaim your word, that you would... Uh, Give me uh, clarity that you would give 
me um, confidence, Lord, uh, that you would um, give me the proper perspective of stepping aside and letting your spirit speak, Lord, I pray. I pray that as your spirit speaks, we will receive from you that which we need to be disciples of Jesus and to go out and be able to make disciples of Jesus. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. I don't know. Uh, I guess it was just the spirit of God that drew me to Psalm 102, um, but it seems kind of convenient for me. Um, as m- many of y'all know, it, uh, my birthday is tomorrow, um, and uh, as y'all know, it's, uh, it's that dun-dun-dun, it's the big four-zero, and some of y'all scoff at that because y'all were like 40, I was a young whippersnapper at 40, and we know you were because today you're still here, and you're not 40 anymore, right? And so we get that, we get that some people look back and they're like, oh man, I remember dreading 40, and it's like, that was a cakewalk, you know, it's like, okay, well, we want to gain from that, but I've never walked this path here too far. So maybe for me, coming to Psalm 102 uh, was a little bit timely, led by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't something I was looking to. But that interesting thing that I think about Psalm 102 is in Psalm 102, the psalmist brings his complaint before the Lord. And in Psalm 102, the psalmist finds that his life is very brief. But in Psalm 102, the psalmist is kind of shaken out of this, his own brevity of life and given a a vision about the everlasting, enduring nature of the Lord. And I think it's pretty interesting to me that in Psalm 102, we find that the psalmist is roused. He goes from this place of complaint to, 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 to celebration and rejoicing Sheerly on the reality that the Lord endures forever. It's like he's shaken out of myopia, right? Sometimes we can be a myopic people. We can just look at our lives, what's right before us. He's shaken even out of his own generation. In fact, in Psalm 102, what we're going to find is that the psalmist says, like, maybe don't even just record these words. Like, I want to record these words for future generations to see. In fact, it's from Psalm 102 that I think we could get where Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 10, where he says that the holy prophets of old looked into the salvation that was revealed in Jesus, and they said it's not for us, but it's for future generations, and they celebrated that. And, and this is where I kind of come in today and go, am I celebrating just the fact that the Lord endures forever, or am I looking for my life just to endure more? Be more vibrant, be more influential, be more, uh, you know, uh, powerful, be more, uh, be more whatever we want, right? What, what, what do you want out of your life? And sometimes we can get so into focused on what we want out of this life. And Psalm 102 kind of shakes us out of that and says, this isn't really even just about me and my life. There's so much more to this. And it starts with, the fact that the Lord 
who was here and is here will remain here. I won't remain, you won't remain, but he will remain. Let's tell all the generations he will remain. Let's tell all the generations that there's hope because of him. There's not hope because of me. There's not hope because of you. There's hope because of him. And so we're going to see these things unpacked in Psalm 102. And, and my hope this morning is just that as, we, as, as we're gathered here, maybe we can just, the pressures, the cares, the concerns, the worries, the anxieties, the fears, the anger, the rage, the hostility that we can get so focused in on, might we be released a little bit today? And that's not to say that none of those things are worth being anxious, afraid, angry about. Y'all mind me, right? There are things in this world <laughs> that, that, that draw natural fear and anxiety. And the Lord never says for us simply not to be afraid. I know in scripture that's the most common thing that you can hear. Do not be afraid. It's always with a reason. It's always with a purpose. The angel of the Lord doesn't show up and say, stop being afraid, you big baby. The angel of the Lord says, hey, you don't need to be afraid in this moment because I'm not coming here to harm you, right? That's the idea. It's not just like, you should never be afraid. Scripture never even says, don't ever be angry. It actually tells us to be angry, but not to sin. See, the problem isn't that we have these emotions. The problem is, what do we do out of these emotions? Oh, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of them. So I'm going to snarl about them and I'm going to, you know, hate them. And I'm going to try to out, get, get rid of them. Well, that's a problem. But maybe there are some things that you really are afraid of that we have to overcome and love. That's a sign. So we'll just set that back down. But all these things that we get anxious, afraid They can, they can consume us. Our lives, what we want, what we desire out of our own lives, it can consume us. We can become so myopic, so inward focused in what I want us to be freed from today. And freed into is to remembering you shall endure, God. You shall endure. And that's where our hope is. And so with that, let's go to Psalm 102. Psalm 102, I'm going to read from the King's English. I might jump into the NLT here and there, um, but uh, this is out of the King James Version this morning. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me. In the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burnt as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone on a housetop. Let's pause right there. Hear my prayer. Let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am troubled. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. Let me just say, you might have grown up in church where they told you, 
you go to God and you, and you might even have this natural impulse where you go to God and you don't say, hey, God, look at me, listen to me, I need you to hear me. But let me tell you, scripture shows us that people went to God and said, God, look at me, listen to me, I need you to hear me right now. And that's exactly how we should read this. I know it sounds really beautiful in the King's English. Oh, dear father, hide not thy face from me. Right? That sounds like really like, oh, oh, that's so majestic. It's almost Elizabethan. It's, it's, it's Shakespeare. But it's really, God, don't turn away from me right now. I need you to look at me. I need you to see me. I need you to know what's going on in my life right now. And here's what I want to say is we have a freedom to go to God and say, this is what I am concerned with right now, God. This is what I'm angry about right now, God. This is what I'm afraid of right now, God. This is what gives me anxiety and keeps me up at night, God. And I can't, like, I love the freedom that the scripture brings us. It's like, God, and if we get this, if we get this, it's so beautiful. His faith in saying, God, I need you to look at me. His faith is saying, it doesn't matter if anybody else hears me. It doesn't matter if, if, if another hears my voice. I need you to hear my voice. It's really this counterintuitive way in which it's actually way more, way more respectful, reverential, way more faithful than these prayers that say, oh God, I know you can't hear me because I'm a poor, wretched, lonely sinner, you know? But if you happen to bring your ear to me, it might be good for me. You know, it's God, I am desperate and I need you to hear me. And I need you to hear me because it doesn't matter if anybody else I need you to hear me because if you're the only one that I trust can do anything about any of this. My wife and I, when we are feeling anxious about things, we'll share them with each other. And we know that we're sharing them with each other just for support. But, but if she comes to me and she says, hey, I'm anxious about this. Hey, guys, don't go, well, don't be anxious. I'm just going to tell you that doesn't work, all right? <laughs> that has never in the history of humanity ever solved the problem of anxiety. That has created quite a few arguments. Um, but, uh, but I know that there's nothing I can do. She knows that there, I can't take her anxiety away. But I can just stand with her and support her in it. But what I know is that whenever I go to the Lord, I do have a promise that whenever I give him my anger, my fears, my worries, my concerns, he says in two places, he says, well, I want you to do that. I want you to cast your cares upon me because I care for you. And so it reminds me, hey, you do care for me. It's like my wife saying, you're having the freedom to come and tell me I'm feeling anxious. See, if she comes to me and she says, I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, well, don't be anxious because I'm now feeling anxious and I don't want her anxiety to rub off of me. She doesn't feel like she has the care and the support that she needs. And vice versa, if I'm feeling like angry or afraid of something and I come to her and I'm like, God, oh, this is bothering me. And she's like, well, you just need to get over it. That doesn't give me the support I need. And, and there's something about us going to God and saying, this is how I feel. And God going, bring it to me. I can take it. Because what that reveals to you is that I care for you. I care about your feelings. I care about your thoughts. I care about your worries. I care about what keeps you up at night. 
He's not the God that says, don't do that, because he doesn't, your anxiety doesn't make him anxious. Your anger doesn't, oh, no, I'm angry too. It's, he, he can handle it. But here's the other thing. <clears throat> In Philippians chapter number four, it tells us that whenever I go to him with my anxieties, uh, fears, anger, he has the ability to give me peace that I can't understand. Peace that passes understanding. That's what we see right here modeled in scripture. So anybody who tells you, well, this is how you should or shouldn't do it. You go to Psalm 102 and say, well, explain to me this. I thought we were people of the word. Are we not people of the word? That's my Bible, right? Oh, you know, uh, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Y'all remember that one? Man, that's been a long time. That came, that came from core memory right there. But anyways, anybody tells you that, just go say, no, well, then explain it to me in scripture. Because he said, God, I need you to listen to me, and I need you to look at me, and I need you to hear me right now. But then here's what is, what's his complaint. What's he worried about? Man, my life is just fleeting. My life is fleeting. My days are consumed like smoke. My bones are burnt as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, uh, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness, like an owl of the desert. Pelican in the wilderness, owl of the desert. This bird that's flying around where there's no food, no sustenance. He goes on, he says, my enemies reproach me all day. And they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of thy indignation and thy wrath. For thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth and I am withered like grass. Whatever was going on in the psalmist's life was not good. He felt like he had been tossed out to the desert left alone, exiled. Exile is a very important theme throughout scripture. We've been left alone. We could even take that and we can go to Jesus at the cross where he cries out from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was left alone. His disciples left him. They abandoned him. They forsook him. He even cries out to the Father, Father, you've forsaken me. You've abandoned me here on this cross. You've left me here. Now, I do want to make a point about that. He's quoting Psalm 22, and you have to read the whole psalm to understand that Psalm 22 ends in hope, just like Psalm 102 does. And there's no theology that we need to say, well, God couldn't look on him because of his sin. That's never stated in scripture. Oh, God, you just couldn't look at him. If that was true, then, the, then God could not have been in Christ when he touched the leper. Y'all get it? He could not have been in Christ whenever the woman with the issue of blood touched his him. If God could not come near sin, he could not have come in the person of Jesus Christ and sat and dined where he sat and dined. He's quoting Psalm 22 because he is in exile on the cross. I've been, you've lifted me up and you've cast me down. 
You felt this way in your life. You felt this way in your life whenever your spouse died to my widows. You felt this way in your life when your children, as Sam even talked about last week, did not meet the hopes, dreams, desires, expectations that your children, you, you, you prayed over them, you longed over them, and then they went astray, and maybe they're still astray. They're in exile. You're left in exile because of their exile. I want us to say none of these things are little. None of these things are small. It really matters in your life, these things. I will never be one of those preachers who gets up and says, well, it's not really that big of a deal. No, it's a huge deal. And I would say it's a huge deal to you, but I also want us to say it's a huge deal to us as your brothers and sisters. We, we share this deal with you, these issues, these burdens with you but the psalm this is what's so powerful about the psalm and if we can grab onto this the psalm is going to turn here in just a moment and say it's a big deal to me but you last longer than i do you endure far more than my life does my hope in you is enduring because i know my life is withered like grass. What does James say? What is our life but, but a vapor? It is here today and it's gone tomorrow. Ecclesiastes, one of the, uh, one of the hardest books of the Bible, but I love because of its honesty, is like, well, what am I even doing? I'm raising up, I'm doing all this hard work, all this labor, I'm, 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 I'm building up an inheritance for the next generation, and who knows what they're going to do with it? They're going to squander it, probably, maybe. But thou, but, ooh, that disruptive conjunct, conjunction there, but, but thou, man, so many psalms turn on but, don't they? This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm seeing. My life is fleeting in the life that I have. It's a life of exile. But now I will say, I have a particular interpretive understanding of what happened between verse 11 and verse 12. Between verse 11 and verse 12, the psalmist did not go, well, what are you doing? Why are you talking to God like this? You be, better be a better boy. That's not what happened in between those verses. Between verse 11 and verse 12, I believe the Holy Spirit of God began to breathe. Just like the Spirit hovered over the abyss, the chaotic waters, and breathed and brought order, the Holy Spirit of God. Between verse 11 and verse 12, the Holy Spirit of God began to say, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I hear you, sister. I hear you. And the Holy Spirit began to breathe life and revelation and say, I hear you. But that song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Spirit breathes. God's word comes, ministers. 
this is between verse 11 and verse 12 is not, is not Sunday school teacher said I shouldn't do this. Between verse 11 and verse 12 is God speaks. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever. And thy remembrance unto all generations. Here's what I know is although I'm experiencing exile right now, you shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For thy servant shall take pleasure in her stones and favor, uh, for thy servants do take pleasure in her stones, favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth of thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. A couple things that are going on here. For one, my life is fleeting, but yours will endure. And, your, and with your life endures your promise. And your promise says that there will be restoration. There will be renewal. That the great city Jerusalem will be built. Oh yeah, I know it was built and then it was destroyed and it was built and it was destroyed. And even now it lies in a state of decay. But there is a time, a set time, and that time is sure that that city will be built. And your king will reign from his throne. And my brothers and my sisters... This is what the holy prophets of old look into when this day of salvation has come or will come. And Peter said it was revealed not for them, but for us. Salvation has come in the name of Jesus. Jesus has come. The king has been revealed. The city's not yet been fully rebuilt, but the king has been revealed. We know who sits on the throne. So yes, my life is fleeting, but yours is forever. And with your foreverness is your promise to build the city. Ooh, this would be a good time for this quote. Skeptics ask, if there is an almighty creator, why then are there hurricanes, earthquakes, pain, suffering, death, etc.? This is like criticizing an unfinished building or incomplete painting. When we see them fully finished, we are embarrassed at our own folly and praise the skill of the artist. God did not shape the world into its present form in a single day, nor will it be perfected in a single day. The whole creation moves towards completion. And if we see it with the eyes of God moving toward the perfect world without fault or blemish, then we can only bow humbly before our creator and exclaim, it is very good. God set out to create this world, which would be the temple wherein his image would be. And he is still doing the work. He's still building the building. He's still growing the city. Verse 18, the psalmist says, this shall be written for the generation to come. 
It's not for me, but it's for another generation. What if Jesus doesn't return in your generation? I know in the 70s, y'all couldn't have thought about that, right? Two men walking up a hill, one man stops, the other's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready, right? You know, we, we, we were just, we've been bred on apocalypse and not the good apocalypse. See, revelation apocalypse means revealing, but we think apocalypse. Right now, I promise you, everywhere uh, people are going, the, the end is near, the end is near. Look at all the wars, look at all the stuff. And it's like, guess what? That's what they were saying in 1914 and what they were saying in 1940. They were saying the end is near. And here's what Jesus said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and then there will be pestilence and plagues and earthquakes. And don't think then that these are signs that the end is coming. He said this in Matthew 24, and yet every single time we watch Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Newsmax, whatever it is, oh my goodness, this has to be the end. What if it doesn't happen in our generation? This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. There will be another generation, and that generation will praise the Lord. This gives me some perspective. He is forever. I am not, but what is my life to be lived for? Brother Scott Rich used to sing that song. May all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe that the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Oh, God, I'm in exile, but I want to be faithful in exile. Uh, for he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from the heaven did Lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner. Why will God do anything? Because people prayed these prayers. When he moves, when he acts, this comes from Exodus, Exodus chapter number three, the Lord comes and he speaks to Moses in the burning fiery bush. And he says, I've heard the cries of my people and I am come to deliver them. This is a great theme throughout scripture that God hears us and he acts. Now we want to say, well, God heard me and he acts and he's going to act in my 80 years. Well, guess what? They were in Egypt for 400 years. There was another 400 years in which Israel was in exile. God is a little bit more patient than you and I are patient. But here's what it says. Why will this happen? Because you have looked down from the height of your sanctuary. You behold the earth. You hear the groaning of the prisoner. You loose those that are pointed to death. You declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. And when the people are gathered together, um, uh, or, or hold on, you loose them that are pointed to death so that they or to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the world. You hear these things, you will loose them and you will gather them up. And what will happen? They will declare your praise. They will sing the greatness of our God. So here's the psalmist. He wraps it up. He weakened my strength in the way he shortened my days. I said, oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. 
but as a vesture thou shalt change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. God, I am weak. I don't want my life to end, but guess what I know? My life will end, but you will endure. You will endure. And this world is growing old, but you can change its clothes. And you will, because that's your promise. Your, your years have no end. The children of thy servant shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. This is something. My life may end, but my life is lived, not even so that I get to see all the glory, though I want to see the glory. But if I don't get to see the glory, I want my children to see the glory. I want my children's children to see the glory. I want our seed to see the glory. So God, we trust in this, even though our lives are short, yours endures. And with yours endures the promise. And so if I never see it, God, I'm crying out to you today so that my children or my children's children see it. Isn't that good? Might we be freed today, eh? To bring our anxieties, our worries, our fears, our hostility, our hate, our rage to the Lord and say, God, this is my groaning. This is my complaint. Might we let the Spirit of God breathe upon us. And receive the Spirit saying, but the Lord, yes, but God, but God, you shall endure. Might we, who might feel that we live in exile because our lives are so short. And the trumpet hasn't sounded yet. Might we continue to be faithful, not for us, but for those generations to come. And with that, I say amen. Amen. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes?